Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Rodeo Boulevard, where we can talk about all things in the rodeo industry beyond the white lines and the road signs. I'm Jennifer Boca, here with my husband, Josh. And we've got a great lineup from the Montana Circuit Finals Rodeo today in Great Falls, Montana. We have cornered a few people here before the rodeo starts and everyone gets crazy busy. We have um, sat down with Dave Wagner, and he has talked about the history of the circuit finals and what Montana brings to the table. We have also sat down with Will Rasmussen, who has been the announcer here in Great Falls for the majority of the rodeos here in Great Falls, and also a special interview with Bridger Chambers at the very end. And he talked about his year, what the circuit finals means to him, and about the road of him making the NFR. So there's some great interviews to start us off with. Well, welcome everyone to our podcast from the Montana Circuit Finals. It's a pleasure today to visit with Dave Wagner. Dave is, of course, the owner of Connolly Saddlery here in Montana, but Dave is also an integral part of the committee that started the Montana Circuit Finals. And Montana Circuit Finals were the original circuit finals in the circuit system. So we're going to talk to Dave a little bit this morning about how the circuit system came about, how the Montana Circuit Finals came about, and kind of where it's gone in its history. So, Dave, thanks for being on with us today. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate it. Well, tell us a little bit how you and uh, the individuals that sat down and decided to have the Montana Circuit Finals, how did that come about? Well, we we talked about it, three or four of us. There was actually three of us involved with the first meeting, and that was myself, Joe Lear, and Pat Linger, and my wife, Barb. And the four of us... uh, just had a informal meeting and kind of talked about the possibilities of it and uh, went to, looked at the buildings or where we could go. And of course in 1978, there wasn't a lot of buildings as compared to today. But so uh, we decided to come up and talk to Mr. Bill Chiazza with the State Fair. And we had a great conversation, uh, the four of us with Bill. And uh, he said, why don't we just uh, come together and do it as the state fair and the circuit do it as as a group? And so we decided to, so we partnered on the first year with it. And uh, we had $500 added. Uh, we had no idea if we would have anybody show up to it or there was a lot of guessing. And uh, so we walked through the the things that state fair would do the things that the circuit would do but we still wanted to control the actual rodeo and the performance and he had no problem with that by by producing and and supplying the building right and so we finished that up and uh, just kind of developed from there uh, we only partnered with state fair one year and then we took it over and it's 40 years ago 40 years ago 40 years ago that's that's a long run and, and a successful long run. Very successful, yes. So at that time, that was kind of the inception of the whole circuit system in the PRCA, correct? Yes. The concept was Mr. Larry Jordan's idea in 1974. He came up with this idea and presented it to the PRCA board and they approved it. And uh, then uh, he ran it for 1974. And in uh, 1975, uh, Del Nose ran it, 
And in the fall of 76 at the awards banquet, I was in Kansas City at a, I worked for Lee Clothing at the time as a sales rep. And I got home and Bud Monroe called me and says, I got you a job. I said, what do you need you got me a job? He says, you're now running the circuit. I had no idea what that entailed. Yeah, what does Not that mean? Clue, you know, because <clears throat> when I took over the circuit, there was some debt to it. We had to get out of debt before we could move forward, move forward with anything. So there was about a $5,000 debt for the circuit for saddles. And so I creatively started charging memberships for the circuits, for the circuit membership for $10 a piece and we got it paid off over a two year period. Then the circuit finals came after that. Wow, and what a list of names. I mean, Del Knows, who still judges rodeos yep, all great over. Great guy. Um, coaches, of course. Uh, Larry Jordan, who has done an exceptional job of growing the Hall of Hall of Fame. Yep. Bud Monroe. Yep. What a, yeah, what, a, <laughs> what an icon in, in, in oh, himself. Yeah. So, you know, that I'm not sure that people realize the strong heritage of rodeo and how long... Um, how long and how close those ties all run. Oh, this is a huge family. It is, it, it is, is a huge family. Yep. So that first year of the circuit finals, how many contestants did you have? Uh, they only took 10. 10 in each event. Yeah, because no other circuit had a circuit finals. Whereas ours was the first one. So you guys were, um, you know, obviously the pioneers, but you know, kind of testing the waters to see what worked, what didn't yep. work. Yeah. And Barrel racers, were they included in the yep. first year? So yep. same event structure that we have today. Everything, Everything was the yep. same. And what about your crowd? How was the crowd that year? I think we had like 1,500 one night. You know, I'm going back quite a ways, obviously. But but, but a know. good response. Oh, yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean, we ended up paying the bills. And we I don't think we made anything, but I don't think we... That's phenomenal. Lost much, so... And, and right here in Montana, you know, people, people joke kind of that Montana's hard to rodeo out of. Uh, but hard to rodeo out of or not, Montana started yeah. everything that we see today from the circuit system structure. And for people that don't understand, uh, you know, we have listeners that are fans and they don't quite understand the circuit system. So tell them what it mm -hmm. means, um, who comes to the circuit finals rodeo or what was it initially geared for basically, from a contestant base? Basically a, a year-end finale for the circuit for the circuit rodeos is basically was the overall design of it to give the contestants and that's what the circuit system was designed for is for the weekend cowboys right. that can't go full-time whether they've got a, another full-time job or financials whatever the reason is they they don't want to or can't go and chase a world's championship or go to the nfr they can still win a local regional area and have a championship Right. And those circuits are set up all over the United States and include Mexico now, too. Yes. Um, so Montana Circuit stands alone with its state. And then, of course, you have the Badlands, uh, which is South Dakota, North Dakota, the Turquoise Circuit, which reaches down then to Arizona, mm -hmm. New Mexico, the Mon uh, Mountain States, which uh, Wyoming, Colorado. I mean, we could go on, but I believe there's 12 circuits and all of those circuits are divided up kind of regionally by their states. Yes. Uh, just for people that don't know, people that, um, you know, we get a lot of questions as to what does that mean? What does the circuit finals mean? Um, and so that gives them a little bit of insight. And uh, we've seen the circuit finals kind of develop, obviously, since 1978. 
And in the last few years, we've seen a big change where the circuit finals money um, allows those contestants to progress uh, and get added into some of the NFR standings. And, and that I think will change again here shortly in yes. the near future. Um, but right now, tell them, Dave, what, and this has been longstanding. If, a, if an individual wins the year end or the average here as it stands, where do they get to go from here? They go to Kiss Me to the, the Ram National Circuit Finals. Yep, and that happens in April, I think, this year. It changes from March to April, but anyway, in that time frame, yeah. And you see a good mixture of contestants at, at the Ram Finals. Sometimes it's just your weekend circuit cowboys, yeah. and then other times it's been the, you know, some of the same NFR contestants oh, who yeah. make sure they hustle home and get to enough circuit finals rodeos to to win the year-end yeah. here. It, it, it is a variety. It, it, right. It's a great variety. Um, <clears throat> Ty Erickson is a perfect example in the steer yep. wrestling who, um, before even the added money change, he came up here, made sure he was home for enough circuit finals and, and would go to Kissimmee. Yep. So a great group of contestants. Uh, now, the money that goes to the circuit finals and as the Ram National Circuit Finals uh, added money, those contestants can count that in their NFR standings. And later in the podcast, we'll talk to um, an individual, Bridger Chambers, that that's kind of affected his path but what do you think of that? What do you think of the money from here adding to the uh, NFR standings? Yeah, you can go both ways on it. I mean, I've got my personal opinion that I don't think it should go to the national standings because there's plenty of rodeos right. to go to to go to that. And I don't think that's the way the circuit system was designed. But again, that's my only only my personal opinion. Yeah, there's lots of different opinions on it. And, and you know, the direction that you take with your opinion is is a very valid one because um, rodeo is such a family sport and it, it's got such a long-standing tradition and we never want it to limit the contestants that have the opportunity to rodeo and um, your school of thought and many's would say mm -hmm. that the circuit finals contestants that are working individuals and have a seven to five job you know yeah. people say nine to five but I'm pretty sure not very many people I know work nine <laughs> to five Anyway, those guys, you know, if the top 15 or top 40 guys in the country are constantly at their circuit rodeos, it limits their opportunity to make money and be able to go to the rodeos near them. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that is those same contestants, such as Bridger, who rodeo here in the circuit and work really, really hard and have the capability of being a top 15 NFR cowboy, can get their start right here um, and have the chance to to develop a career that they may not have ever had the opportunity. Oh, so it's it's great. It's a great discussion point. Uh, people have differing mm -hmm. opinions, um, but as we see it, it's changed and developed over the years, and I think it's going to keep kind of going back and forth. And, and who knows what's right or wrong, but no matter what, it's a great system, and, oh, and the Montana circuit's done awesome things. You know, I rodeoed in the Mountain States for quite some time, and it's interesting to me, um, boy, I don't want to make any Montana or Mountain State Circuit contestants mad at me or committees mad at me. But this Montana Circuit, um, when I married Josh and came up here, he said, you're going to love rodeoing in Montana. Well, you're, you are used to what you are used to. Sure. And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> I really liked Colorado. <laughs> but when you get up here to this circuit, it is a family. And the Circuit Finals is a phenomenal event. Yeah. I mean, here we are at the Heritage Inn in Great Falls, Montana. And unless you are a contestant on the contestant list, you can't get a room yep. or part of the committee structure. Mm -hmm. It's it's sold out. 
the rodeo itself sells out um, to the point that people pay for tickets to stand behind the bleachers and watch the t rodeo on a screen <laughs> exactly. in the same building. Um, tell me about the the crowd count. How how much do you have in attendance nowadays? You know, it varies. Uh, it runs between ten and twelve thousand. You know, depending on the year, the weather, the roads. I mean, there's a lot of petitions. Welcome to rodeo in Montana in January. Yeah, so, no kidding. So it does vary a little bit, but it's always been. You know, very you know, Saturday night is obviously oversold, as you say, and mm. the long branch goes to the back behind the chutes, but or behind the bleachers. But it's uh, it's always been a very successful event, thanks to I mean, national sponsors, thanks to local sponsors. That's right. They all make this thing work. You know, obviously our contested stock contractors go through the list, but it that that's what draws it back into the family affair. You know. I see people that I rodeoed with coming to it uh, back in the 80s, you know, and uh, you still have that rapport of what you did in 1980 compared to 2018-19. That's so. right. You know, I think the rodeo industry is hard to retire from <clears throat> when a contestant gets to that point where they, they feel like they should slow down, but I think the Montana Circuit Finals year-end keeps them to the point where boy, they don't want to quit because you come up here and it, it's a four-day gathering of friends and family. Yeah. You know, you go to the restaurant here at 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever time you decide to eat breakfast, and you can't hardly get in, but you can't met, pass a table that oh, isn't yeah. somebody that's a good friend. Um, till late into the, the nighttime hours, people stand around the oh, pool yeah. and visit, and, and yeah. somebody invariably ends up in the pool that shouldn't end up in the pool. Half rodeo and half reunion. Yeah, that's yeah. fact. That's fact. Yeah. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I want to say congratulations to you and your group that started this because without you guys, all of us as contestants and committee people and producers wouldn't have the um, the avenue that we've had to see this all develop. So No, it's been a, quite a ride. Well, it thank really you. has for the entire circuit. Anything else you want to add, Dave? I'm good. Well, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. Thanks, Jennifer. Good luck Appreciate this weekend. It. Well, we're back once again, and we uh, are excited to have longtime Montana Circuit announcer, Will Rasmussen, with us. Good morning, Will. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time to visit with me today. This is fun, huh? It is it's fun. It's kind of an old uh, a family reunion here at the Montana Circuit Finals. It is. And it's, uh, you know, it's an 80-degree improvement in temperature from no last kidding. year. No kidding, no kidding. You know, anybody yeah. that knows me knows I do not like the cold. Whether I'm from Colorado or live in Montana, I don't like the cold. And so when I looked ahead and saw the temperatures, 47 degrees right? in Great Falls, a person could almost learn to do a backflip over that temperature. Clear roads. Yeah, all the way. Right. Not one bit of even ice. Don't put your wallet on the table. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, the Montana there, Circuit. There Lots of people is. have uh, wander by and share their thoughts. Don't, don't, don't you think, Jennifer, it's, uh, it, 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 I always, for 20 years, I've thought uh, it's, uh, it's like a family reunion, not only among the, the directors and the board and the competitors, even the, the people that come and, and, and watch the rodeo here for three three nights, you know, calving hasn't started, farming's over. It's a perfect time in Montana. And, and, uh, and I just, it's the, it's the oldest circuit. It's one of the three most successful circuit finals among the 12s that That's we right. have. And 
and uh, it, it is fun to it is, it is fun. fun. You know, people often ask me, and I hear them ask Josh, why in the world is it in Great Falls in January? And you just hit that. Yep. Montana's a ranch country. That's everywhere. You know, it's big sky cow country. And you have to plan an event that people can and come to town and they want to come to town for. So you miss calving, you miss haying, you miss, you know, it, it's perfect. It it's is. not so much perfect if you're a contestant when it's 20 below. Right. But you know what? We have to have attendees to make a circuit finals work. So but flat out, it wouldn't work in right. October. It wouldn't That's work. Right. That's right. It, it wouldn't work any other time. And we in Montana are used to it. Right. I mean, we put number one diesel in our diesel trucks and plug That's them right. in. And put, you know, people don't care if it's forty above or forty below. They're coming to the rodeo That's in right. Great Falls. And what a great job these people do marketing. You know, I I I think that about half of the people that come and watch here and god bless the marketers for this event i think a lot of people think this is as big or bigger as the nfr in vegas they, you know they, i think you're right especially people here in montana this is funny but i went to the main street deli in in billings um and and no marketing promotion there at all i just happened to wander in there for lunch and while i was sitting there answering some emails there was three tables around me at different times and all three tables didn't look like rodeo people ranch people and they were all talking about coming to great falls this weekend isn't that funny it's it's got such a huge following but um how long have you been involved here as the announcer Oh my gosh, it's funny. I was printing out the program today, doing some of my homework, and I counted the years. So it's, this is 22. 22 Can you imagine? Wow. I'm not that old. And you know, you're not that old, but are you like 28? I mean, not a girl. We'll, we'll talk later. But they, <laughs> uh, they uh, I, so uh, to put it in perspective for me, and it, it's, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, but I've been here over half of the... That's what I was just thinking. This is 40 wow. years old. You've been here over half. I am so lucky. I And I love being... It's kind of my hometown rodeo. I just live 50 miles away. And and so you know half the people in the building, it seems. And and I'm, I'm pretty honored to... It's special. It you is know, special. It's special. It is. It is. And, and people, I think, for the fans, I don't think that people truly understand... Um, or, or maybe they do, and maybe that's why they love it so much. The tight camaraderie, uh, the true friends that become family, the true nature of this sport that makes it so hard to divert from. Uh, no, we don't make $2 million as rodeo contestants or in, in rodeo production or as committees. You know, many are volunteers, um, but you just wouldn't have it any other way. 2004, I was faced, I was... Uh, successful insurance agent. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was a certified insurance counselor, was made nice, you know, over a hundred thousand a year mm -hmm. in two thousand four, faced with the decision. I had a huge book of business with rodeo people. I had insurance for Rod Lyman. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I mean my, the network that you make right. that my partners came to me and said you need to decide what you're gonna do when you grow up. We're, we're getting some complaints among the office here and I said well first of all they're getting paid plenty of money so yeah, right. I'm one of the boss anyway and and I considered not doing rodeo anymore because I had kids in college and, yeah, no kidding. and I couldn't imagine being away from these people 
I just couldn't imagine being away from the rodeo family. And so, you know, here we are at the Montana Pro Rodeo Finals, MPRF. And I got to thinking, and I've done some radio interviews this week, Montana Pro Rodeo Families, but it could be the Montana Pro Rodeo Family. Absolutely. It? it could. It yeah. could. You know, we were just talking, um, Dave Wagner and I, about the fact that you walk into breakfast here and uh, you can't pass a table without seeing somebody that you know. Um, you know, we have a two-year-old, and he already has that figured out. He wanders through the restaurant and gives knucks to everyone and hugs yeah. to his friends, and he'll point out one of the steer wrestlers or the bareback riders or, that's my friend, that's my friend. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we could joke that you want to put a golf club in his hand or a baseball yeah. bat where he's going to make a lot more money. Um, but what kind of quality of life does rodeo give people? It's yeah. it's something you just can't fathom until you get into it. And, and there's a... An excitement, and, I, I, yeah, and you're involved in rodeo as much as I am. I, the the attendance all over the country at rodeos I go to has been up. They and it, it, it's expensive to go places. And who, at one time or another, the fascination of a cowboy, right? Oh, right, right. The fascinate. Right. Who, at one time or another, hasn't dreamed of riding across a sagebrush ridge and you know moving cows or you know it's a fascination and it's and and i I think we still there's not enough money to have in it to have tainted it so it's still an honorable thing we still you know we stand for the anthem we pray without apology and and what's not to like about that that's fact yeah Uh, you know back to the two-year-old and of course i'm a proud mom and this isn't about us but we do stand for the anthem and that two-year-old since he was since he could stand up stands up and he says oh say can so when he sees a flag he knows oh say can you see and uh and the the pride in in being an american yeah um, it's a sport that just brings so much pride in everything and we do we get to open in prayer and what a phenomenal blessing that is. Mm-hmm. No one tells us to not open in prayer. No one tells us to not start with the anthem. Um, and maybe it's because cowboys are a little bit rogue and we just do what we want to do anyway, right? But yeah. we're, we're living the American dream. I mean, look at silly movies like A Cowboy Wage. Remember that old movie? It was in New York, in New York City. Woody Harrelson. I right? didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, it is funny. Uh, but it was in New York City and everyone recognized cowboy hats. It is. It's yeah. something that across the country, somebody sees a cowboy hat and they romanticize it they and do. they idolize it. I, I talked to, I happened to talk to my younger brother, Flint. He was just in, uh, at Madison Square Garden. All right, for do the you PBR. you talk about New Year's? Right. It's packed. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. Bull Riders, the greatest thing ever. I guess. I guess. Yeah. If you're <laughs> in New York City, they're convinced <laughs> that that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But, you know, the, these circuit finals in they've never moved from great falls and um i hope that they they it's great for the economy it is you know it's it's it, it's a it's a tremendous event so you know your your husband has been blessed to have success here yes and, that's right and uh and i've been blessed to be able to announce they're going to kick me out one of these I years. doubt it I doubt it I think you got a long career ahead of you 22 years right here oh in Great Falls. Oh my gosh that's a blessing. Well Will thank you for spending the time to sit down and visit with me today it's fun to do this because it's just like sitting around having a cup of coffee yeah. around the around the coffee table but people enjoy hearing the stories and understanding whether they're fans or contestants uh, it's fun to do so thanks for taking the time to visit with let's, me. Let's do it again. All right. 
Hey, this is Josh Boca. We're back here at the Montana Circuit Finals. Um, we have brought in with us a very familiar face to the rodeo world and to Montana. Um, a gentleman that has had some very good luck this last year and in the past, but a, uh, a year that he will never forget and neither will Montana. We've brought to you Bridger Chambers, who is a guy that... Um, has had a lot of luck at the circuit finals and especially last year and we thought it was very fitting to bring him in have him talk about his past and how the circuit finals kind of springboarded his career of making the nfr last year so welcome bridger um you want to give us kind of your past what you've done in and out of rodeo and and uh just kind of tell everybody about bridger chambers uh, yeah, I guess uh, I've rodeoed in the PRCA for the last seven years, um, and most of those have been uh, just circuit rodeoing. You know, I started off with with you and uh, our group of guys that we have in Dillon just practicing, um, and then we uh, went to all the circuit rodeos, so I think the last few years have made it in a row, um, and then this last year, I guess I had my best year. Uh, making my first NFR and ended up second average and, and second overall. Um, so it, it was a pretty good year. Tell us about um, who was Bridger Chambers before you started pro rodeo and what, what uh, you know, give us some background on your family on, you know, the, we, we've kind of stressed this weekend about rodeo in Montana being one giant family, but, but tell us how, what your, you know, what your parents have done for you, other families kind of, you know, wh who has, has helped you in your career? Um, starting out, I guess I, I grew up in Stevensville. Um, my dad was a basketball coach and so we went to school there. Um, I went to college for a couple years there in Missoula, the University of Montana, and then transferred to the University of Montana Western down in Dillon. Um, I wasn't quite ready to hang up uh, basketball shoes, uh, so that's what kind of made my decision to go that way. Um, when I got there, that's when I met you and uh, started practicing um, with a group of guys, and then... Uh, for a few years there, just kind of went through the amateur rodeos, NRA rodeos, and um, played basketball in Dillon, rodeoed for Western, and had some success there. Um, and then uh, now, I guess more recently, I've, um, I got a teaching degree and then went and uh, taught for a year in Three Forks. And then I met my wife and I moved to Butte. And so then moving to Butte, I made a decision to help out my dad run a uh, contraband dog business. So we take dogs into schools and prisons and pre-release centers all over the state and uh, search for drugs, alcohol, and, um, and gunpowder stuff they can hit on that way. So I did that uh, for the last five years or four years and then this last year um, I kind of handed that back to my dad and uh, went rodeo on full-time and and um, correct me if I'm wrong but your dad was your basketball coach correct in in high school yes he was so tell me about that you know a lot of people um, 
you, you know, speaking from my own family and, and knowing, knowing you as well as I do, tell me about playing basketball for your dad. Was it hard? Was it, you know, was it easy? You know, a lot of people I'm sure think, you know, well, when your dad's a coach, you kind of, you know, you get to play, you get, you know, the, the first, um, option to, to be in the game. Tell, tell us kind of about, you know, that and, and, you know, playing with your brother and, and all that. Uh, growing up, I felt like my dad wanted to be, I don't know, quote unquote, hard on us, uh, just because he didn't, he didn't want people thinking that he showed favoritism. And if we were going to play, we were going to earn our spot. And I guess him being our coach ever since we were little, we didn't know any different. You know, we had other coaches here and there, but um, I would say he was hard on us in a sense that he wanted to make sure that it wasn't viewed that way, that we were earning our spot, that we made sure we were the hardest workers on the team and, and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard when people ask, you know, what was it like playing for your dad? Was it hard? Or, you know, um, I think the biggest thing is don't know anything different. Um, so the only real other coach that I had was when I got to college and went to Dillon, um, playing for, uh, Steve Keller. And so, um, I guess biggest thing taken away from that, he was going to make earn, make us earn every, uh, our spot as it was. He wasn't, nothing was given to us that way. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. Watching watching a few of those games, it was he was definitely knew you could take a, a few butt chewings during the game. You could tell that for sure. Um, so, 2018. Wow, what what a year for you. Um, walk us through it. Um, coming to Great Falls, preparing for Great Falls last year. Um, you know, tell us. Tell us about it. What a crazy ride I'm sure it was. And, and uh, you know, just kind of walk us through the year, who you went with, um, what decisions you made, you know, about the support from your family and, and uh, friends and, and, you know, just kind of break the year down for us, I guess, in, in a few minutes. I guess you'd have to rewind it in a whole year and a few weeks, um, you know, where you go out to – Cannon Mandy's Hollands every winter and start practicing and something about that year or last year was just different we just decided to do things different and I started for myself it was just making a conscious decision to set small goals at practice and some of those were you know as little as catching every single steer starting out I'm going to jump every single steer I run no matter if it's bad good indifferent I'm going to try to jump every single steer and then have a few of those practices and then the goal changed to catching every single steer and and working on that and then um, fine-tuning those runs when you do get a hold of them so then we came to the circuit finals with that goal in mind you know to go throw three down the as best as we could and that that is something that it it worked out it wasn't as um good as as we wanted it to go but it was good enough to end up um winning the average and earning a trip to the ram finals there in, in florida um so after that i had entered um denver with olin hannum 
and we had to take off right after the circuit finals. Uh, went to a few winter rodeos with him, and um, I didn't do any good at Denver, didn't do any good at Fort Worth. Um, I won around at San Antonio in our set, and it just kind of seemed things were starting to snowball in a positive way, you know, even though that we weren't doing good at every single rodeo, we were doing small things that, you know, seemed like they were leading up to bigger and better things. Um, then after those rodeos, I went to Florida and then, um, I, I was traveling with Curtis Cassidy and Scott Gunsner. Uh, they both made it, so I hopped in with them, drove to Florida. Um, I ended up second overall there, won some money. I think it was just over 17000 and that's when it was, it, it, there was a change in thinking that maybe I could hang with those guys because down there, there, there was NFR guys that had been there, you know, past and present. Um, and ending up second with that money, it was, it was now time to look at, you know, if this is something that I really want to do and, and try to go hard for. So I came home, I had to have a sit down with my wife um, and then my folks because of that business. Um, we made a conscious decision that if it keeps going good, then, then we got to stay entered and stay hooked with it. And thankfully, you know, with the support of them, that that was, you know, they were all for it. It didn't matter what was happening at home, you know, um, who was going to take care of the business or who was, you know, who was going to run things and take care of, uh, of my part of it. Um, everybody wanted to make sure that it stayed out on the road and, and tried to keep things going. Um, so that was the biggest decision for me to to take off and probably one of the hardest because knowing that I'm going to be away from my family and uh, leaving a responsibility, not one, trying to take care of my family and then two, being a business partner and, and just handing, handing back my side of it and saying, see you later almost. Um, but that was, there was no, there was no questions about it. It was, you, you have to do this and um, that, that, that was probably the most rewarding is knowing that family, family was behind me a hundred percent. So when I took off again, um, I got in with Curtis and we went to kind of on the spring run out to California, um, complacent in Logandale and, and Red Bluff. And then, um, those spring rodeos kind of got over and some other guys got hurt or their horses got hurt and I jumped in. Um, with Tanner Milan and Scott Gunther and Harley Cole they're also from Canada and they started riding my horse and uh, we took off kind of late spring early summer from there tell me you mentioned there that those guys started riding your horse um, you were just awarded today the Montana horse of the year which um, is a pretty prestigious item, you know, item to win. There's been a lot of awesome horses from Montana and in this circuit. Um, you know, a lot of them have been rode at the NFR. Tell us a little bit about that horse, how you came about him, how, you know, you've, you've 
finished him and and now use him out on the rodeo trail i mean it, it takes a pretty a pretty special horse for a bunch of guys to be able to win as much as they did as you guys did on that horse last year tell us about him a little bit and, and how he has helped you in your success and and making the nfr last year you know that was it was pretty special today i wasn't i didn't even know um i know i i voted for him and i wasn't sure it was you know the the 12 guys that make it in the circuit finals are the only ones that are able to vote on him and for him to win that you know that's it's given to me but it's a reflection of the horse and and what he's able to do uh over the years so i feel like that's it's an honor i guess and and um i I feel really good about it because it, it takes a lot for other people that don't even ride him to recognize that you know the horse is special and and deserves an award like that so that i'm very thankful for um when they got hurt or when their horses got hurt i've had him for about three years and it was things were going okay um so i'd win a little bit here and there and he i wouldn't say he was completely finished when i got him um i got him from a kid in idaho his name's wyatt kinghorn and when I first got him, didn't know anything about the horse. Uh, I think he'd probably been turned out for a year. When I got him, um, he was pretty skinny and his feet were all chipped and cracked and kind of looked like a mess, but um, rode him for a couple years. And then making that decision to go, um, you know, I, I rode him at all these rodeos. Um, I think there was only, I probably, only won five thousand dollars of the total year end um, that was off somebody else's horse and then when those guys rode him too it was it was pretty special for him to be able to take that and he was kind of our only horse so uh, we hauled him everywhere and they rode him at the at the Calgary Stampede um, he went north south east and west and <laughs> it was it, it was pretty cool, you know, to be able to make it on him. And then uh, Scott made it. And then Tanner, you know, unfortunately, he just ended up 16th, just that last hole. I think barely less than $2,000 from making it. Um, so I think almost three guys making it, it's pretty special on a horse like that. Um, and I didn't ride him at the NFR, but uh, I guess that's a different different story that um we can talk about a little bit later but um there's he I, I think it's just something he's very special and it says a lot um for to be able to make the nfr on him but then have two out of the three guys that were riding him is it, pretty cool too right uh, it's it's an incredible horse and it's been fun to watch you finish the horse take him from where he was had been turned out and uh i have been fortunate you know uh, a lot to be able to ride the horse as well and and uh man what what an incredible horse to be able to be rode at at different setups you know whether it's um you know a go fast setup or or one where you got to see him out there a long ways or or down an alley i mean scott won what was the canadian rodeo that scott won on him pinoca pinoca yeah you know so it's it's a takes a special special horse to be able to man to go to all those different setups um you know what what was a total amount do you know of that you guys won on him last year 
I, t I think it had to be well over two hundred thousand uh, between the three of us. Yeah, man, that that's awesome. Two hundred fifty thousand. That, right, that's crazy. So, you go through the year. The spring goes good. The summer goes good. You know, you're able to slip home, get the circuit finals made. Ha you know, give yourself kind of a set up a chance to to win the year end this year. And um, at what point did it settle in? At what point were you like, man, this is for real? I I am going to my first NFR. Um, what at what point of the summer? What point of the fall were you like, it's for real? I'm I'm going to get to go to Vegas. There was, um, you know, I don't think I won. I think I won four rodeos all year long, and there wasn't. It wasn't like I ever won a huge chunk of money. Like down in Florida was the biggest chunk of money I won at, at one point in time, and. There was a lot of seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, you know, and they they kind of always added up. And so it was just there, there'd be people jumping ahead to number one in the standings and, you know, people moving up, and it seemed like we just chipped away at them. And that was kind of our philosophy all summer long was, you know, there's only one, one way to cut a tree down, and that's chop by chop. And it doesn't matter if it's a big swing or a little swing, as long as you keep swinging you know, and pulling money in that, that you can do that. So, um, that was the biggest goal that way, but it was towards probably towards the end of August. I got to a rodeo up in Canada and Blake Knowles was the first one, um, to say anything to me. And it was, I didn't make a very good run, but it placed and we were walking back to the trailers along the walk back and he goes, shows, man, congratulations, that's awesome. Congrats on your first NFR. And we kind of parted ways and went to our trailers, and that's when it's like, holy cow. Hmm. You know, he really, he just said that, and now you have to look at it like, I I'm really going to do it. Hmm. You know, Man, yeah, it's incredible. Makes me choke up just being a friend of yours, you know, that, that got to watch it all and, and got to, you know, be as involved as I could be, you know, and... and seeing you go tell us about vegas tell us about the preparation um what you wrote out there um you know and about those 10 days everybody got to watch it on tv montana swarmed around you um social media went crazy uh, you know there was i know there was a lot of support and and to thank all those people would be hard you know but but tell us about being out there people coming out there what you rode just about those 10 days um, well, getting ready for it, I went home after uh, Pialop being the uh, tour finale, and I'd actually torn my meniscus um, in May, so I dealt with that all year, but um, now knowing that I had made it, I made the decision to take him home and go get my knee fixed, and so that was a little after week after labor day or so and there was still a month left of rodeos you know and there was guys fighting to the bitter end trying to make it um but knowing i had made it i decided to come home give my horse some time off and uh he ended up getting hurt which we didn't know and so that was probably the best decision or a blessing knowing that i was going to have to get myself fixed and then giving him time off to get healed up. Um, we were trying to get ready for the Canadian finals and 
Um, I just didn't think that he was going to be ready, so I decided to uh, give him the time off. Uh, made the decision to ride another horse that belongs to uh, Cannon Manny Holland, and thankfully they were gracious enough to let me take him up there to Red Deer. And we did all right, but not as good as things um, sure had hoped to. Um, and so then coming home, we tried to get ready for the finals, and we probably had probably a month. And those two weeks, two weeks we were practicing. I was riding that horse of uh, Ken and Mandy's and my horse, trying to get ready and trying to take the starts. And it just wasn't working the way it felt like it should be. And so at the end of the two weeks, I made a decision to get on a plane and fly to California and check out uh, the other pen of steers at Luke's house. And down there, I called Dakota and asked him if I could get on Rusty. And thankfully, he said yes. So flying down there, I got to ride him and practice on him. And then while being down there, something just clicked. Um, felt like I was starting to get the starts and um, still making good runs. So coming home, um, I just kind of let my horse uh, rest and I continued to ride um, the, the other horse and trying to get prepared and it just seemed like practice went better and better and better building up to that. And so um, I, I took that horse of Ken and Mandy's as a backup and rode him in the grand entry and then um, riding uh, Rusty's, or Rusty, uh, the horse of Dakota's. Um, it, it was probably one of the best decisions I made, you know, not knowing if you're ever gonna make it again because every year you have to earn your spot. I don't feel like, um, you know, it, it's hard. I think there's different levels of going. You know, you can circuit rodeo and you see those guys going down the road trying to make it and things happen all the time. You know, you may not even realize it at the circuit level. Um, but then going hard, you see all the different things that happen and the horses that, that go all year long and that can make it, you know, the ones that can work everywhere, just like we said. You know, that Rusty is a special horse for him to be able to work at Red Bluff or somewhere else and then still go into that building and, and work the way that he did is, is something special. Absolutely. I, that's an incredible horse and, and, you know, very giving of, of Dakota to, you know, let a guy, I know you and Blake both rode him the whole time out there. So, so you get there, you know, everything you know, I remember seeing you the day or two before it started and you're like, man, I'm just ready to roll. Let's get it going. And tell us about coming down that tunnel the first night and coming into that arena. Uh, the very first night is, is the most special night ever. It, it'll be one I'll never forget, you know, and, um, Ty Erickson also made it and he goes, you know, I don't really care for grand entries, but this grand entry is is the best one in the world and he wasn't lying because when you ride down that tunnel you know and and whoever gets to hold the flag is is pretty special they um they let you carry your state flag if you won the most money out of your state and then going down the tunnel and they announce your state and then riding into that building with the packed house however many people are in there you know and you know exactly where your family's sitting so you 
you ride around the arena and every night there was, you know, I, I saw my whole family standing up and cheering, but I'll never forget my dad just taking his hat off and just whipping it around in a circle. <laughs> you know, that's something that I'll never forget and it happened, you know, 10 nights in a row. And to be able to see that and experience that, it, it's something I'll, I'll live with forever. Right. Kind of the everybody behind the scenes gets to feel that with you and, and it kind of makes it all for real for everybody at that point and is the reward that everyone has been looking for all year which is well and everyone worked for it too you know it wasn't right. it wasn't just me it's my name was entered in that deal but the stuff that goes behind it from you know my dad flew in certain places just to drive us around for two weeks and then flew home or uh, meeting us with a rig you know, and, you know, like my mom taking this started way back before I ever was rodeoing professionally. She's driving me around the state to junior junior rodeos or junior breakaway ropes, and, you know, maybe probably having no business entering, but just the fact that we felt like we were on the road really doing it, you know, at nine years old is something that they'll never forget. But it's it's a reward that everybody got to enjoy and i hope you know that i tried to express to my family that it, it made so much to me or you know it meant so much to me to have them there and you know it wasn't just for me for them to be able to experience it was all the work that they put in it too that that uh, meant the world right well to kind of wrap things up bridger we sure appreciate it good luck this weekend and man it's been a, a cool ride to watch with you what is something that you could pass on that that you took out of this year or or a piece of advice for you know young listeners listening to this or or anyone in life what is a lesson that you learned from your experience you know in in a short amount here that you could pass on as advice coming from someone that has got to live and and experience what you have I guess probably the biggest thing is I I was before all of this ever ever happened I was just a guy that liked to go rodeo and you know it, it was probably more of a hobby than it was a business and you know there were some times that I probably didn't take it as serious as I as I should have but when I made that decision you know to transfer that and, and be serious as I could about it that anything is possible if, if you have a goal you know not just in rodeo world if it's anything I guess if you apply yourself and and don't worry about the big picture at the very end try to make the smallest goals you can and, and build on that that those things will eventually come come true and especially if you work hard and you truly believe in it and you have to believe in yourself because I feel like that was probably one of the things um, I learned was learning how to win and even if it wasn't you know even if you didn't draw the best steer put in the best situation um, you, you still figure out a way to win whether it's even if it's not even first you know if it's second or third or fourth or fifth those all that added up to something big and so the biggest goal was to make it to the NFR, and, and thankfully it worked out that way. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's what we're, 
you know, we're doing with this podcast is bringing, you know, people like you in advice and, and helping, you know, just, you know, we hope that we can add something to, you know, even one listener's life or, or encourage them to stay hooked like you did, set a goal, set a dream and get after it. You know, it's it's a very inspiring story that that we're able to share with these guys and bring you in. And, and uh, we sure thank you for taking the time today and, and uh, you know, on a personal level for being a great friend. And, and uh, we look forward to this year. And, um, man, we'll check in with you again after, you know, maybe after the winter rodeos. And, and uh, we look forward to seeing you pin that second back number on this next december so good luck and good luck this weekend get after him and and thanks again thanks for having me i appreciate it as we bring this week to a close in our first podcast we would like to thank the interviewees uh, will dave and bridger all for taking the time to sit down with us and, and bring to you guys their connection to the montana circuit where it's led for them they all have um, their lives have changed because of this rodeo, and, and we'd like to thank them a lot for sitting down and taking the time with us and and bring you guys what goes on up here at the Montana Circuit Finals. We hope that this first episode has kind of given you an insight into where we're going to go in the future with Rodeo Boulevard and what our thoughts are for the industry um, and, and sharing of information with y'all. We look forward to coming back to you here in a week, 10 days, um, with more Rodeo Insight. We've got some special guests lined up. We'll talk about everything under the sun in Rodeo, whether we touch on maybe the winter rodeos as they get going and, and how these contestants really roll into their winter year or winter season, uh, whether we talk about some PBR. You know, there's lots of different ways to go. But we thank you guys for listening. We would ask that you jump onto our Facebook page and give us a follow, give us a like, and um, subscribe to the podcast. As this develops, it will get shared on more. Google, Apple, those. It takes a little while to get um, all these things validated and uploaded. But we are really excited about the response we've had so far. So thanks. Thanks all who listen and take the time to listen to us. And uh, we'll be back. Thanks again. <laughs>